back to Work Actually, the podcast that delves into the reality behind different careers to offer insight and advice for those looking to get into it, or just an interesting chat for those who are nosy and like to hear about different career paths like me. Today's episode is amazing. I chatted to Eta O'Brien, an intimacy coordinator and movement director. So essentially her role is to work on film and TV sets and in theatre to provide expertise on dealing with sex, nudity and intimate scenes. She recently worked on the most incredible dramas, Normal People, Sex Education, I May Destroy You, just to name a few. And so she was there to help both the cast and the crew be on the same page, to talk through the scenes, to understand them, to instill confidence in the cast, in being able to say, hi, I'm not sure about this, and help train them to take on these scenes in a way that not only comes across as a great performance, but allows them to be wholly comfortable in how they perform it. So it's a great chat. I learned so much about a career I didn't even know existed, really, and I hope you enjoy it. Ida, hi, thank you so much for joining me today on Work Actually. It's uh, so nice to speak to you. Hi, Kate. It's really lovely to meet you too. And thank you very much for asking me to um, to have this conversation with you. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure for me. I'm so excited to speak to you more. Your job is an intimacy coordinator and movement director for film, television and theatre. Now, you run a company called Intimacy on Set that provides expertise on dealing with sex and nudity and intimate scenes in TV and film and theatre. This is one of the main reasons I set up a podcast like this was to look at these more slightly unusual jobs that if you're not in this industry, you may not even know exist. I didn't know that the term intimacy coordinator existed. I you know, rationally, you can think, yeah, of course, there'll be someone there to help choreograph and help structure those kind of scenes. But, you know, unless you actually think clearly through, you don't perhaps know that it's someone's full time job. Really interested to hear about how you got into this. I I saw that you trained as a dancer and an actor. Is that the route then to um, that made you see, right, this is what film sets are like and TV and there's perhaps a gap here of addressing these really important issues around consent and people feeling comfortable and ensuring that everyone's on the same page from director down to cast members. So, yeah, as you said, that my pathway in this industry, I actually started um, dancing at the age of three. My mum sent me to ballet. She's an... um, both my parents are Irish Catholic. There wasn't any Irish dancing. So there was this lady called Miss Handel in Hayes, in, this, in the hall in Hayes. So yes, and I, I trained as a dancer and then started working professionally at 18. Um, I did that for 10 years and then I trained at Bristol Old Vic, did the two-year postgrad course in acting and worked as an actor for eight years before doing the MA Movement Studies at Central School of Speech and Drama, which brought together all my acting, all my dancing, all my movement into teaching actors movement and the movement directing, as you said, in, in theatre and TV. And um, also I wrote um, my own work and, um, and I put on, you know, put on my own work. So one of the first pieces I did is called April's Fool that I put on in 2009. And then I was looking at doing a piece, looking at a dynamic of abuse in our um, society, looking at the flip side of the perpetrator and the victim. So that was my focus. I, at that point in time, was like everybody else, you know, through, you know, my acting days in particular, you know, there wasn't a structure for intimate content. You know, if it was a kiss, it's like, I'll just kiss. And, you know, there wasn't the sense that there, although there wasn't a practitioner, 
that would bring a skill and a structure to the intimate content. Um, when, of course, we knew if there's a dance, you're going to bring in a choreographer because we don't expect people to be able to know how to do the tango walking up and down the street. Um, or if you're um, doing a fight, we um, don't expect people to be able to know how to have a sword in their hand and, and be safe mm. and skillful. We know that you need to be taught techniques and we know that um, then a risk assessment needs to be done and someone's going to choreograph it really clearly. But all of that, I was just like everybody else, was just accepted in the industry that with intimacy, you sort of just did it. But in my process of developing my piece, it was called Does My Sex Offend You? I was looking at, well, if I'm going to explore this dynamic, how do I, um, as a practitioner, um, keep my actors safe? What practices and principles do I need to put in place in, in order to help support my actors to be able to come together, to be present, centred and grounded in themselves and with their ensemble so that they could enter into that work in a really professional and unconscious way to do the best work possible in exploring that dynamic but then also to be able to step away from the work come back consider where they might have been be present centered and grounded so they can leave the work and step away in a really healthy way so that was my intention this was back in 2014 I started um, developing the practices and then had my first round of research and development in August 2014 and then a second round um, at the Barbican Pit in um, August 2015. Um, and it was during this process that one of my lovely colleagues, Meredith Dufton, who is the head of movement at Mountview, said, please, will you come and share what you're developing with my students? That she was saying to me, look, I have to go and note the intimate content. There's recently been so much more intimate content in the plays that her, the students were being asked to perform in. And she said, I'd, invariably, the physicality isn't telling the right storytelling. But when she does say this is what the storytelling, physical storytelling needs to be, she can see their eyes going, you know, glazing over because there isn't a professional structure in yeah. order to do it safely. So she said, please come in and start teaching what you're developing. And then the, the last bit of the jigsaw there was then I was sort of spoke to one of my other colleagues, Vanessa Ewan, who's the head of movement at Mountview. Oh, no, head of um, senior lecturer in movement at Central. And she had already had the inspiration from watching a fight rehearsal going, look, at the time and space that's given to that rehearsal, that's what needs to happen for intimacy. Right. So, so I worked in conjunction with her. Huh? It makes sense. This is it. And um, so, so I started teaching about 2015. And in Vanessa's book, you know, it says, you know, you need to have a clear structure and a clear code because there aren't industry guidelines. And as I was teaching the work and referring to Vanessa's book, I was going, I'm, you know, that needs to be changed. Um, so when you first started working in this area, then there wasn't anything official, there wasn't any guidance, but there were people starting to think there should be. There were already people like you, that you were saying, starting to think there, there should be more time devoted to looking at the practices of these scenes, like like others, like you say, battle scenes or fight scenes. That That's right. So, so Vanessa um, had already had that inspiration. So this is her book, Act to Movement, Expression of the Physical Being. Um, and she wrote it in conjunction with her fellow senior lecturer in movement, um, Debbie Green. So she'd already had that inspiration. And um, at that time, I didn't know of the people in America who were, who were developing this work. Yes. And then I subsequently also sort of um, made contact with Jennifer Ward-Leland, who's the president of New Zealand Equity. And there what happened was they had all the big films suddenly going to New Zealand and um, again, lots of intimate content being asked of their actors. So she actually called together a green room event 
2015. And then they published as a result of that conversation, their, their guidelines for intimacy in October 2015. So, so the students were saying to me, you know, this is brilliant. And, you know, that sense of um, what's so lovely, the response from them wasn't just that it gave them a structure and a language in order to deal with the intimate content well, but also gave them an attitude of um, valuing themselves as an artist and that sense of empowerment, which was so lovely. You know, when you start thinking of what you're offering, you know, how, you know, what director you want to co-work with, you know, to work, make good work that's going to make sure that they're going to respect you as an artist and, and respect your craft. Because, of, of course, you know, if it's not done well, it truly damages you as an artist. It truly damages your craft. Mm. You know, sort of um, some of the workshops, whenever I run a workshop, I always start with asking the actors uh, or the people present, actors, directors, movement directors, what their experiences have been of intimate content, be it, you know, done well or challenging. Right, because that um, can affect then how you see them taking on these roles. That's right. That's right. You know, and for example, there's one lady there who's there as a director, you know, but she said in the opening circle, the last time she acted was the intimate content was handled in such a damaging way that it stopped her acting. Oh, God. You know, and, and that's just, you know, that's so common. That's so common. So many people having really challenging, um, you know, experiences that, that um, you know, that, that makes people you know, step away because they, they can't handle what, what that means. So when you started, this was an area that wasn't, didn't have enough time and research devoted to it. So how did you then start to change that? How did you start to change the culture on sets of making sure there was someone like you? And, and how early do you come in? Do you come in just when they're going to film these scenes? Or do you come in right at the start and, and talk to the cast and crew before anything happens? From from the teaching, I you know, and the students saying to me, "This is great, but what about in the industry?" So that's where I started speaking to Equity. You know, found Jennifer Ward Leland's guidelines in the summer of two thousand and seventeen, and drew together my guidelines and presented them to the Personal Managers Association. But it really was the narrative that I was inviting, which is, you know, just because you're an actor doesn't mean that any degree of nudity and any degree of sexual content should be expected of you. Mm-hmm. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different journey in their lives and everybody's relationship to their nakedness and sexual content is different. But just because you might have places that are not suitable for you does not mean that you're not an excellent actor and you're not the right person for that role. Um, and the other thing that's levelled at actors is, oh, you've got to be brave. Well, yes, actors are brave. We do take on, you know, human stories and they're dramas. So they're going to go to an extreme, you know, edge of um, our human experience. But just because you're an actor, again, doesn't mean you should override your own boundaries in order to be able to serve a production. Um, You should be autonomous. Doesn't mean you might not be nervous, but it does mean that you should be able to be in your agreement and consent and not pushed into that place where it actually makes you vulnerable, where you go home at the end of the day and cringe. It's so lovely. Um, Michaela Cole is just reading an article yesterday and what she says is exactly, you know, sort of obviously I supported Michaela and the, all the cast on I May Destroy You, you know, and her saying, you know, this is what we want is the actors are really proud of their day of work and, um, and they know that they were taken care of and they can stand behind their work so that they're not having that thing of watching, you know, when it comes out and they're watching it, that there's that whole body memory yeah. 
that right. absolutely scuppers them if it was done in a bad way. You know, and I've absolutely spoken to actors that, that are saying, I can't bear to watch, you know, intimate content because they have that body memory oh. of when they perhaps have had a, a job and it's not been done well and it's belittled them or made them vulnerable. And, you know, and just what that, you know, what that does to you. Don't want that. And is that... Is that because there's been a real lack of duty of care there? So I don't want to say abuse because, you know, it, it, it's hard to know with each individual situation. It, it's more about the approach and ensuring that people are comfortable and not just assuming, like you say, that because they're an actor, a trained actor, could be a very experienced actor, that they can just handle these situations. Yes, that's right. The thing is, before, you know, developing the role of the intimacy coordinator and having a clear structure um, and a professional process for the intimate content. You know, just as you recognise, a lot of the time there's no intention to be abusive. It's just people are awkward. Mm. There wasn't a professional structure. People didn't know how to talk about it openly and professionally. And so it would just get left. Invariably, directors were as nervous as the actors because, you know, there wasn't someone to support them. There wasn't the idea that we can make this professional. And actually, you know, again, the shift is it's a body dance. Mm, you know if you've got two people moving in rhythm together it's a a form of a dance Mm. and then there's so therefore it can be supported by a clear structure through choreography and techniques you know techniques that are just the same as you know if there's you're going to throw a punch within a a film of course you're not going to actually throw a punch that's going to land on your actor's face it ended up bruised possibly bones broken we know that that's completely unacceptable and not safe we know there's going to be techniques of eye contact you know, sort of how far distance, what's the technique of how you throw the punch, what's the technique of how you receive it, and all of that sells the art of acting, Mm. you know, making it believable. So that's what we're bringing as intimacy coordinators, we're bringing techniques, you know, how are you going to hold, what are you going to, body part are you going to push into body parts so that it looks at there's, you know, intimate connection, you know, genitalia to genitalia, but if you came around the other side where the camera isn't, you'd see that there's, you know, that there's no pubic bone, there's no touch there at all. So do you think bringing that language in about talking about choreography and dance makes it then more accessible to actors, you know, because it, it then becomes a different um, view in their heads of what it is. It's it's part of the of acting role. It takes away that kind of awkward sexual side of it. And Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so, so this is it. You know, before now, it was that thing, well, if, if you want them to look sexy, you've got to look intimate. There's got to be real. And it's like... No, why do you think it only in this realm of, you know, a human being story, do the actors actually have to be, be real? No. And there's all the awkwardness that comes with that. No, you know, they equally are acting. And yes, you know, the, the, the guidelines are about just shifting the focus. And this is the, you know, the intimacy onset guidelines go right from, it starts with the producers and directors, their first read of a script. It just as you just dealing with as another risk assessment, another aspect of the, the um, content that will need a, um, a professional, that um, will need a risk assessment, um, but you need to put in place best practice, you need to put in place techniques. And within that, then just, as you say, normalising it. It just becomes another part of what we talk about openly. And that's where, you know, the, the, one of the, the first tenets of intimacy coordination is open communication and transparency across the board, right from the get-go. So once you even start with that open conversation, you've already changed how the intimate content is dealt with, you know, and that means asking producers to, you know, to notice it, to earmark it and provide funding for it. 
you know so that's right from the get-go because of course the money people are going to be the you know the producers are going to be the ones that one you know make sure that they're putting in place a really healthy um set a really healthy production in terms of how it's run and how people are taken care of and then provide the funding so so that's so you know looking okay there's um you know submitted sex in there i need to provide the funding for that inviting the directors right from the get-go to you know if they see the intimate content to consider what that content is start to having an idea about it uh, doesn't mean it can't shift and change but we are asking again there's just that open communication then particularly for the audition process so that if a degree of nudity or sexual content is wanted you can have that open conversation with your actors before you offer them the job so again you know and again it works both ways the director wants an actor for whom that content is okay mm. you know you know directors and a production you know want an actor who for whom what's been required of them is within their agreement and consent and isn't going to you know be too much for them you know through through teaching the work from you know as i said from 2018 and then looking around from you know being mentored by Vanessa um my contact to Jennifer Ward Leland in the summer of 2017 once i found her guidelines in consultation with her um and then you know implementing all of the experiences that i had you know from conversation ongoing conversations with with Meredith Dufton and um you know sort of drew together best practice and then started to share it with the industry and and of course then the shift was that i knew that the narrative ie saying to saying this saying to directors think about intimate content earlier saying to actors you know if you see there's intimate content don't just assume that it's going to be all right down the line before you accept the job say great a romeo and juliet i'm going to play juliet fantastic what what's your vision for you know the consummation of their marriage mm. what degree of nudity do you want what degree of intimacy do you want to for us to really believe that there are these two people that have come together you know so say Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet oh for me really beautiful successful scene spot on not too much nudity but certainly sense that these two people have absolutely come together you know so so saying to actors you know that's what you want but i knew that that narrative was going to be was challenging mm. but then October 2017 you know the brave women who um who rose um raised the issue around Weinstein yeah I was going to ask about that mm. and then subsequently the times up uk um movements and the me too and then with the whole industry going yes we have to do better we can't accept predatory behavior we have to create codes of conduct in which we're just stating you know how we work respectfully across the board and in that environment then the industry was going and how do we do the intimate content well and it was just incredible because i'd had these years of developing the work beginning to share it before that happened and suddenly as it were the resistance um of the narrative and the industry going you know we we have to do better then meant that the you know the idea of bringing in professional structure and an artist who had those skills to help choreograph um was then welcomed You mentioned Michaela Cole and I may destroy you which is a fantastic series if if anyone's not seen it yet it's on iPlayer and you also worked on Normal People which has just exploded and um I think it gave us all the sex scenes especially gave us all something 
else to talk about apart from uh, coronavirus at the start of lockdown. They, the sex scenes particularly were in the press a lot because they were quite impactful. They were, they were fantastic. I'm sure there were lots of awkward households, you know, people watching with parents perhaps, you know, side glancing. But I read an article in Grazia just the other day, actually, terming these programmes as sort of consent dramas. Mm-hmm. And notably because they are addressing the issues of consent and having quite young characters openly talking to each other about what they're about to do, bringing those conversations right to the fore and, you know, discussing the boundaries and where the lines are and what's considered right and wrong now. And, you know, that's powerful, especially for the young generation coming through. You must be really proud to see that. I am. Um Again, you know, at times when I think, oh, my goodness, can I do this job? Or, you know, have I, have I got what it takes to really establish this? And, you know, really, you know, continuing with making sure that criteria is clear and strong and, you know, everything that it takes with really embedding this in the industry. I just looked to, you know, the work that's coming out and how it's coming out and the narrative that's coming out around it and just go, you know, I'm, you know, I feel blessed that I'm doing something right. I'm being guided because absolutely, you know, the the you know the, these productions absolutely needed an intimacy coordinator and that, and that goes then also from sex education right from you know 2018 um you know so this so so again isn't it amazing how the work has been written um you know I was again listening to some really lovely YouTube conversation with Michaela Papa Waruche um chaired by Charlie you know when Michaela was saying that she you know she spent two years writing this mm-hmm. so again she was writing this you know you know, so like two, three years ago. And then then Sally Rooney's writing, you know, so writing, you know, and and again, regarding what's in the programmes, you know, that are dealing with consent. And then I'm, you know, so that's got nothing to do with me, as it were. I'm just supporting their amazing writing, um, you know, and their beautiful, beautiful content and their reflections and their aware, you know, what what they're highlighting regarding our human condition here and now, you know, and as you say, around consent, but of course, then what I'm bringing is absolutely inherently that, you know, mm. it's open communication, transparency and agreement and consent. So, yes, yeah, so equally how the work has been um, put in place, the, the that, um, shift in the industry saying right, you have to, this is, is the bottom line, you know, agreement and consent is absolutely the bottom line of now what, you know, is industry standard of what needs to be put in place for intimate content. Um, and that's a consent of touch of simulated sexual content and of nudity. So yeah, it is, you know, if you look, if I stand back and I just look at, at the narrative in the, in the world, it is, it is fantastic and it is really, um, you know, and I feel really proud to be part of, of that movement. And it must be nice as well for these new actors coming through to not only have someone like you on set, but to also be acting in roles where you're addressing those issues. It's kind of on both sides now, yeah. making it right. Because... There must have been so many young actors in the past where they perhaps are on a, a big production, say a normal people, but, you know, 10 years ago, say, where they're so happy to be in that position. that They don't maybe want to rock the boat in saying, oh, hang on, I, I don't know if I'm comfortable, you know, because a, they feel so grateful to be there. That's right. That's so right. You know, there's, what is it, 95% of actors at any one time are unemployed, albeit now 100%. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yes it is that thing that you're really grateful to have a role and there wasn't a structure within which they could speak about um, what their concerns were be it nudity, simulated sexual content or touch 
in a professional way. And so that thing of, um, you know, if an actor said no in any way, shape or form, you know, they were seriously, you know, were itinerant, um, you know, part of the whole production, you know, um, and actors are disp- dispendable. And yeah, there's that fear. If you speak up in any way, shape or form, you're going to be considered a troublemaker, um, that you're in fear of, you know, not being asked back, you know, that you're, you know, they'll say, great, we'll give it to somebody else. And, um, you know, that sense, as I said at the beginning, that if you're an actor, you should be prepared to do any degree of nudity and any degree of sexual content. And again, this is confluating and mixing up, you know, someone, as I said, being brave, Mm -hmm. as opposed to actually, you know, you know, acknowledging everybody's an individual and we need to have a structure that allows for, for their agreement and consent to just be an inherent part of the process that actually, and there is the reverse that actually doesn't mean that they're less professional, but actually they're more professional, mm. you know, because they're going, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the, the times that, um, you know, again, when I've done workshops and, and, you know, you've had actors or actresses saying, you know, before there was the guidelines saying, say they're in theatre rehearsal and there was an intimate scene and they were told to just go for it. And they, they said, oh, can we just halt? Can we just pause for a minute? and just talk through how we're going to do this, perhaps look at, you know, where we're going to touch, how we're going to choreograph this. And they've said they're the ones that have been made to feel that they are unprofessional mm. because they've asked to actually have that clear conversation to put in place a structure. Wow. Um, whereas actually it's the reverse. It's more professional to know exactly what's going to happen so that you can be free to act your socks off because you know, you're, you're, you know what's going to happen and everything's clear and then you can really bring all of your skill of the actor to the intimate content. And also it allows a director to pass that role on to someone else and know that it's being handled professionally. They no longer have to think, right, I need to know how to address this with the actors or know how to choreograph it or know how to get it right. That's right. You know, if you, you know doing Elizabeth I with Kate Blanchett, they know that they don't have to know how to do the galliard, you know, in order to be the director. They know they're going to bring in the most brilliant um, movement director that's going to choreograph that. And yeah, you know, it's this, exactly, it's now going for a director going, phew, you know, it's still, it's absolutely the director's vision, like on, you know, normal people and, well, all, on all of them. It's all about serving the director's vision, you know, saying to Lenny, and just such a joy and um, just so privileged to work with, you know, with Lenny Abrahamson, with, with Michaela Cole on, on um, I May Destroy You, along with um, Sam, his, her co-director, um, such beautiful, beautiful people. That's who we are, as intimacy coordinators, that's who we're serving. And of course, everybody's in service of the writing. So we want to know their vision. But yeah, they, you know, there's no reason that that director should have the skills to be able to um, then know the techniques you can bring to choreograph clearly. And also we're bringing... You know, as you mentioned earlier, just that open and professional and adult language mm. to the intimate content so that we can um, talk about it really clearly. And then that's the other skill as intimacy coordinators that we bring is, you know, you know, we're movement people, you know, so having a movement background. So then being able to to refer to whatever's going to be most suitable for that production, for those actors. So again, what I want is so that we can use language that we can be detailed and precise, particularly through intercourse, but we don't have to refer to you know, sexual activities, you, you know, we can, we can um, talk about, you know, perhaps elements, earth, air, fire and water, or somebody said the other day, cooking, cooking is a great one, <laughs> you know, kneading something or whipping something up. Yeah, it is. But anyway, but again, 
but again being able to be that interpreter so that we're bringing skills and movement skills um you know to to, to that to their physical um journey so that so that we can get all the detail um you know you say something about consent for example that that um scene in episode two that has so many beats to it in normal people you know the first time that marianne um you know the fact their first time of making love and marianne losing her virginity there are so many delicate beats to that scene so you want to journey through it so that nothing's lost all of sally's writing is honored all of lenny's vision for what he wants for the scene is is, is implemented and the actors are journeyed through it so there's absolute clarity and then that means you, that's where you can can really you know get those the beautiful detail and that beautiful coming together of body mind spirit of these characters and for us the audience to really enjoy it you've mentioned a few now amazing productions you've worked on um sex education normal people i may destroy you and and there you're able you're now you know coming in on board as a professional to work in this space but how regulated is it for much smaller productions you know is there still a lot of films being made or tvs tv shows being made where perhaps they're not meeting these standards and it's not regulated. That's right. And that's our journey, both with myself and you know, my fellow colleagues um, working both, well, across the globe, actually. You know, I'm training up people um, in here, um, Canada, America, Australia, New Zealand, and we're all working, implementing, working with equity, working with the industry to, to have this as, as industry standard. Um, and then actually post with COVID, you know, with putting in, place um you know protocols for covid of course you know how are we going to do the intimacy so so myself my fellow intimacy coordinators across the globe have been part of the conversations in in the you know how to how to film and and well when theater happens um post covid so um but we have a way to go absolutely we have a way to go to actually make this that it's just commonplace Mm. that everybody understands the process, that it's never, oh, just kiss. And in fact, actually kissing is way more intimate than actually doing a full-on simulated sex scene. Because mm. in a full-on full simulated sex scene, there's no genitalia touching. There's yeah, always genitalia touching. That's right. right. Whereas when you kiss, you're kissing lip to lip. Mm. And, um, and it's always, why is that kiss there? Who's kissing whom? What's the power play? So, so it needs to be, um, process needs to be understood. So that's why I'm running workshops just for everybody to come, initial workshops that just um, share the process of the guidelines and, and then show, stepping them through, you know, the, the process of, okay, great, we've discussed the scene, let's just get up, let's agree touch, you have to be touched here, where, if you're going to kiss, where are the hands going to go, is it around the face, neck, is it around the back? agree that touch where you know where's okay but most importantly where's not okay and then once you agree that let's just walk through okay i gaze into your eyes i step forward i um run my hand down your neck i lift your chin we kiss i gaze into your eyes i step forward i place my hand down your neck i place my hand on your chin we kiss so that it's just repeatable it's so lovely um you know one of the productions just recently again a young actor um and he was he, he acknowledged afterwards he was quite nervous with, a, with an actress who was um, more experienced in intimate content. And literally we did this, you know, with the scene, a couple of times he goes, oh, oh, I see. So it's like, I've just done this forever. You know, once I said, okay, and again, and again, he's going, oh, oh, okay, now I understand. Okay. It's like, yes, and that's what we need to be known across the board in the whole of the industry, that it's just great, it's an intimate moment, talk about it. Okay, let's pause, go through that process. Once everybody knows what they're doing, great, off we go. 
and it and it needs to be in all of our drama schools. It needs to be inherent within the ethos of all of you know how you know the agreement and consent is just inherent within you know how you know how how a drama school will run and then therefore into the intimate content and that all directors, all actors just know that this is how it works. Producers know that and that is part of legislation and that you know just like a stunt now you cannot do a stunt without a stunt director or in theatre a fight director that needs to be the same but we've got a way to go. Talk us through then a typical not a typical day because I know it's a whole process but say you have a big scene coming up with actors what would you have done with them before and are you there on set during all that filming and rehearsals and then what's your role afterwards if you can you know kind of summarize that. Yes, thank you. And I realised I didn't answer your question that you asked way back when, which is when do you come on board in, the, in a production? The best case scenario is always a producer identifying you've got intimate content right from the get-go and calling me in. Mm. And then and so I'm there inherent as part of the whole you know, um, team. Um, and that's happening. It's so lovely. So that's what you want, is to be there from the get-go, having producers that are intending to put in place best practice and working in conjunction with you talking with the director, then coming to a day on set. If you think of a, an iceberg and the tip of the iceberg, what you see sticking out of the water, that's like the day on set is just that much. And of mm-hmm. course, 80% of the iceberg is underneath the water. So, so all of that is all the preparation. Mm-hmm. So ideally, if you can, um, you know, to, to, to have a in rehearsal period, perhaps before production, as Papa was saying, so that they, um, the, the scenes that they did, or quite a few of the scenes on I May Destroy You, that we worked in, in rehearsal period, right July, August, before you know, filming had even started. Always the best, so people can understand the process of the guidelines, you know, walk through the scenes, get an understanding. And again, I think of like, oh, phew, okay, great, there's a sense. So rehearsal, um, but then even if rehearsal is being done, say the scene's going to be then happening on on um on a Wednesday, I'll check in, recheck in with the actor. Um, no, I'll check in with the director first to make sure nothing's changed because, of course, ideas develop, characters develop. So check in with the director, check in with the actors individually, check out any concerns, check in with wardrobe, making sure all the um, genitalia coverings, modesty garments are all ready. They can tell me if there's any tattoos that need to be covered and stuff like that. Check in with the first AD because, of course, that co-running of a really respectful and good close set is so important. So all of those check-ins happen way before you get to to, um, to set. And then day on set, again, in the morning, I'll recheck in. Um, when it comes to the scene, we'll um, talk through. Um, I'm just there, present, for the actor-director rehearsal, listening, observing, and then invariably they're finding the shape of the scene during that. Once, they're, once the scene's found, I'll then get up, as I said, to go through that process, agree touch, Check out where's yes, and most importantly, check out where's not okay, be it touch, seamless sexual content, nudity, choreograph the scene, giving an absolute clear physical structure. Yes, it's not direction, it's just a physical frame. Yes, as I just said, repeat it. And then crew showing, you know, get lights ready, actors come back, last rehearsal. If there is nudity, then the last thing is asking everybody to step out. So the actors can refine that same choreography with a degree of nudity required. Because, of course, a rehearsal where you've got tracksuit bottoms on might feel very comfortable. But once you have that degree of nudity required, it might feel very different. Yeah. You might need to re-choreograph. And also you don't want two actors to be discovering that scene with a degree of nudity for the first time in front of the camera. Mm. 
yeah, and then ask everybody in. And then the last, the next bit is really important is that the actors in intimate content have the autonomy to halt the action. Right. Just like, um, yes, so um, just as the same as the director or the um, first AD. So, yeah, so that if anything's going wrong, you feel overwhelmed or, you know, genitalia patches coming off that you can call out to halt. You know, so, so I ask them what their word is. It might be Guinness. It might be Wakanda. <laughs> so that's, that's shared with the whole of the crew. Um, and, then, and then you're away. Um, and, then, and then it's just like any other scene. I stand back, you know, get back to act director, director, you know, giving the notes, nuanced, beautiful performance. Um, I'll just be watching to make sure the physicality is telling the right story. Mm-hmm. Um, and also be watching on monitor to make sure that um, the actor's nudity clauses are respected. And if anything's seen that's not suitable, I'll ask the supervisor to mark it as unusable. Um, and then the last bit is really important. You know, as I said, we want to bookend it. So we want the actors to really give themselves to really serve character, serve emotional storytelling. Um, but at the end of the day, we want them to, you know, have that book ending. They've done a really good day of work. What techniques are you going to put in place to help you let go? Is it taking off your character's clothes so you step out, stepping back into your own clothes that really lets you get rid of character back to self? Is it having a shower? Is it um, walking barefoot on the grass? Mm. Um, is it going just going and having a cigarette? Whatever it is, but, you know, really inviting that conscious, you know, to letting go of character to step back into your personal self that helps to keep you not just physically but emotionally and psychologically as I say clean I like you know one of my actors said when he came back the following day I felt clean mm-hmm. and that's what you want so that you know so that you know particularly if you've got ongoing you're filming say over six months that you want to be able to come back and really fully re-engage but you can only do that if you fully let go each day mm-hmm. um, so that so as the intimacy coordinator um, then I'll check in. So I'll invite them to do that at the end of the rehearsal day. But I'll also check in a day or so later so that, um, yeah, you know, if anything has bubbled through or if they are concerned in any way, then I can, you know, we can discuss that and put in place what needs to be done to take care of that. Have you ever, and you don't need to mention any specific examples, but have you ever had to step in and say, actually, you know, as in you halt the um, production because you don't think someone's comfortable and isn't saying something? Or have you ever faced resistance from a director, perhaps, on, on how much you're involved and, and letting the kind of art take the centre stage, you know, let the natural flow carry on, don't stop it? I, I will be aware with the actors. I'm, I'm, I'm rather, than, rather than stopping mid-scene, you know, invariably, say, say if they've done quite a few takes, they're really hot and sweaty, they need a break, I'll go to them and say, how are you doing? I'll do one last one and then we'll take a break. So I sort of normally try to do it like that. So, you know, have that awareness out so that, so that you're, you're arranging that with a production. Then there was another situation where, you know, it was quite a long scene. The actress had said, you know, fine with all body parts other than this body part. And mid scene, that particular body part was seen. And what I did there was rather than halt you know, a beautiful take that was quite a long take. I then went straight with the director and the script supervisor. We watched back through playback and I said, okay, you can use a take up until that point and then that bit has to be deleted. And then I wrote write that in my report. Right. Oh, you do a report thing. after. Yeah. Um, so that's followed up. Sometimes directors say to me, if it's not reading right, stop mid-take. And, and um, you know, in my, in my dancing days, I would, you know, used to do that. But I actually, now I prefer... 
I prefer to let the scene run because mm-hmm. because even though that bit might not work, the rest of it might work, and it really takes an actor out of it if you're stopping them. And then we'll go in at the end of the take and then give the note to make that particular bit read right. Um, and then do you ever can... have um, an actor say, "I'm not comfortable with this," and then they do the scene? Maybe something is shown that they weren't originally comfortable with, but then they watch it back and say, "Actually, I am comfortable." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what's so brilliant. Um, And that's what's so lovely, you know, when there is the opportunity to really invite them no. And that's a biggie in the industry, isn't it? You know, an actor has always felt if ever they say no, as I said this before, in any way, shape or form, that it's it's just not going to happen. Whereas we're saying, well, what I say to actors is that your no is a gift. Yes. Let us know your no. Let us know what's not suitable for you so that your yes can be trusted. Mm. So I'm saying to the actors, you take responsibility. We, I want you that everywhere that you have said yes to is absolutely means that you can be free as the artist to really let go yes. and really say your no. And I say your yes is your no, yes. Your no is your no. And your maybe, the areas of maybe is also a no. Because as soon as you're a maybe, you're not free again as the artist. And then what's so lovely, so I had a situation where it's actually one of the workshops rather than on a professional situation where the actress was on her period. They were supposed to have a husband and wife hug, you know, front, you know, face to face. So chest and belly connected. She go, uh-uh, not doing that. So we, we looked at having a side to side hug so that, you know, because her belly felt too um, delicate. And um, literally within five minutes of them starting to choreograph the scene, she go, oh, do you know what? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, because she got the shape of the scene, she was getting into character, you know, there was trust building, and because her 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 no was completely respected, then it gave her the freedom yeah. to be able to move into it. It's and that, like the permission is so powerful. If you've got that permission and freedom to be able to say no, it can almost make you more confident. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's so that's what happens, you know. And I've had that with another situation. An actress has said, Mm-mm, don't want that degree of nudity. And then they've been able to watch back the take and go, actually, that doesn't serve. And actually, I can see, you know, how that's been filmed. And actually, that further degree of nudity serves this moment better. So, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And again, that's what you want. You want people to, you know, to work within their agreement and consent. And then, and, and you see, and then it, you know, just as you've seen with these lovely, amazing productions I have had the joy of working with, when you, when they're completely in their agreement and consent, the acting and the storytelling can, can be so much more powerful because the actor can be free. Mm. Um, yeah. And then, What's and great is you've worked now on lots of these new dramas that are full of young people that hopefully they will then accept or demand this standard for every production they're on. This is the norm for them. That's right. Again, um, on this lovely um, YouTube um, conversation um, on I May Destroy You, um, that's what Papa was saying, that, it, that um, it, you know, that's now his experience, that he can't believe that the industry didn't have a professional in place for the intimate content, and that's absolutely what he will expect going forward. Yeah. And, um, and I absolutely have had that, you know, actress, actresses and actors from, say, sex education, from, you know, they've gone on to other productions and they've got intimate content and I've been called up, say, right, I've got this scene. I want oh, to be right. Yeah. What's nice is that you're having such an impact, not on just a scene, you know, you're having an impact on their careers and the yeah. way they view their job and themselves yeah. within the job, which must be quite nice and rewarding. Oh, it's so amazing. It's so lovely. Again, you know, just checking in with some of the actors as the scenes are coming out um, on I May Destroy You and just going, you know, you know, we hope you're happy with it and how it's come out and then just being so grateful 
so proud of their work, so empowered and go, yes, it is. It's so rewarding. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm conscious we haven't got much time. So just tell me now, how would you become an intimacy coordinator? Is it a case of most people that go into this um, line of work, the route is to become either a trained actor or dancer. So you have that movement coordination expertise. It's while, while the structure of the guidelines is is quite simple, the holding of the space is actually quite complex. Mm. You know, and you're dealing with the different um, roles, what they want from you. So what a producer is going to want from me is different to what you know the first AD is going to want from me, which is different to what the director is going to want. You know, we're talking again that open communication. And, and I very much feel, you know, saying about, you know, the day on set that all those conversations, the intention is that everything is known, people's concerns are understood, so that by the time you get on set, there's been a leveller, you know, you sort of, someone's been really happy or someone's been really concerned, you're sort of bringing everybody to a level playing field, what's required is understood, everything is prepared, things like, you know, if you've got a, a queer lesbian intimate scene, and at the moment, there's nothing but a male crew how are you going to make sure you you know the invitation is to get some gender parity within the crew so that the the actors are going to feel more comfortable you can't ask for that the week before that needs to be considered you know right at the get go when i yeah. first talk to producers so having those conversations i noticed you have a lot of women in your team and um i did see one man on there but is it mainly women that you see coming through yes but there's more men coming through oh good you know people it's really important to have absolutely diversity of culture and um and of sexuality within the team mm. and that's absolutely something that that um that I'm looking out for inviting and um you know, there's people coming forward from those different backgrounds mm. um and they're all due to start training in March and of course then it's um oh really yeah 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 so um so no so I'm absolutely looking out for the right kind of people but just to go back to to what kind of skills am I looking for yeah looking for, you're looking for someone who has a sense of maturity about them mm. doesn't mean they have to be old Mm-hmm. But they do need a sense of maturity. You need awareness of the actor's process. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the actor director process, interrogating a script, um, intentions, obstacles, because that's what you're serving. So you have to have that. All the degrees of communication across the board, language, how to speak to all the different roles, understanding power dynamics, navigating those power dynamics, uh, navigating those those concerns and as you identified earlier not just of the actors but of directors producers so that again we ha- we're holding ourselves in a pro- professional way and then movement coaching movement techniques clear body skills body understanding anatomy physiology and then bringing in all of those details and then support regarding connecting with wardrobe costumes and then and how um, much training do you then give someone who who starts with you so, so, so that that's where I'm. I'm really reconsidering. So, the the people that are trained with me, uh, the first people, the first cohort of people who actually came on an actual training was August last year. But my my core practitioners have been working with me from from the inception. You know, from back from 2015. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been some of them have been working with me from those very first R and Ds back in 2015, and so been with me as I've developed the work. So they're they're amongst the group of people who are my accredited intimacy coordinators. And then the group that um, I first accredited, they're sort of what I call stage three, because of course there's teachers, just like a driving test. If you think Mm. that you, um, you know, you're going to have your driving lessons, but then you need to drive because you're driving a lethal weapon and you've got to make sure that by the time you come to do your driving test, that you're competent and you're not going to kill anybody. And then of course we know that then even after you've passed your driving test, then you really start driving properly. Mm. 
So it's the same sort of thing. So, um, so sharing the work in stage two and then stage three is then being mentored and then building up your hours um, of experience while you're being mentored. Like I say, it's, it's complex. And if it's not done well, you know, we're taking care of someone's not just physical, but emotional and psychological well-being mm-hmm. so that they can do the scene well. So it's, um, it, we're holding a lot. Mm-hmm. And if we claim that we can do that, I need people who have a sense of humility, lack of ego, really being of service and really having all those skills. So, so, so it takes and long hours, I suppose, sometimes. That's, that, that, that's right. That's right. So sort of I'm looking at sort of, you know, the amount of days over a number of productions so, so that they've got experience, not, you know, because of course you might do many, many days on one production, but once a production gets to know how you work, there's not the challenge there. Mm-hmm. And actually the challenge my intimacy coordinators in, chain, in training is actually how to be flexible. Mm-hmm. how to be listening to what each production wants, how to adapt, um, how to offer, you know, the different language, the different ways in so that you're still re- delivering the best result. Yeah. You know, but bring it, but what of your skills can you bring in order to, to, to bring that result? And um, so it's complex. So overall, right from, right from the get go, initially experiencing it, it's about a year and a half to two years. Right. Well, it's been wonderful hearing about it. I'm fascinated. I feel like I could talk to you for another hour. Um, <laughs> Where can people find out more if they're interested to either get involved professionally or just read up more? Yes. Um, so to go to the Intimacy On Set website, go to the contacts page and get in contact. We respond to everybody. We'll either put you on the mailing list to go on the workshops. or um, Also, as you've heard, you know, my intimacy coordinators in training being mentored need opportunities you know, in order to put that work in practice. So if you're a practitioner in a film school and I've got intimate content in your film, contact me because those opportunities are a win-win situation. I need opportunities for my intimacy coordinators in training in order to gain experience. And, you know, it's giving those um, productions that perhaps have very little budget, you know, the opportunity to work professionally with someone. So please contact me for that. And continuing you know, sharing the work and shifting the industry. And um, so this just becomes common practice. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been Thank lovely. you, Kate. Wow, what an amazing chat. So good to hear about this area and the incredible work that Eta and her team and peers are doing to ensure this becomes more commonplace amongst sets and stage. I'd love to know what you think and I would like you to tell me. So please do contact me on social media or um, comment in the podcast ratings and tune in next week to find out about the ins and outs of work as a financial advisor. Don't worry, even if this isn't a field you're interested in, the chat with Josh Faye was so interesting and I even learned some tips on money management. So tune in. See you next time.